Welcome to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. I'm back again talking with Yusip Poine. What's up? Hey, Toby. I had this carefully prepared notes for what I've been up to lately. So there's two things because I need to add one more thing in my notes. The first thing is that I upgraded my main Windows 10 workstation. So it's not a laptop, it's a, it's a PC. I upgraded that to the May 2020 update, mainly for me to test out the Windows subsystem for Linux 2, which is also part of the May update. And that obviously messed up something because I have all these weird issues on my PC now. So during the recording, if you hear like, use is disconnected, it's just me, it's not you or anybody in the audience. But, but the real thing, what I've been up to lately, uh, we had a long weekend this past weekend in, in Finland. So Friday was a bank holiday called May Day. And we did lots of barbecue on the balcony and we also decided to fix a lot of the things at home because evidently we have the time now. So we refurnished my home office. We rearranged the living room. I got rid of a lot of stuff as well. And I also did an upgrade on my home office. So I've got these spotlights because I'm, I'm doing plenty of webinars nowadays. So I got two of the Philips Hue spotlights behind my my main monitors at the home office so that I can, I can tweak the, the colors a bit. So I'm super ready for webinars now as well. That's very cool. And I know there's an app so you can turn your Philips Hue enabled house into a disco. And yeah. so you can put an equalizer in tune with the music. So if you play music, you can have the lights now play uh, in different disco colors according to the beat. So I guess this is in your next webinar coming up. Yeah, and, and my, my kids also, they have their own rooms, so they have Philips Hue in their rooms as well. So when dinner is ready, I often open the mobile app and start yanking between blue and red and green colors in their rooms in <laughs> hopes that they'll get the message and come upstairs uh, to eat. Like, well, there's something, Dad, there's something wrong again with the lights. <laughs> no, they, they, they normally don't react at all. They keep on playing Fortnite or, or Counter-Strike or whatever they're playing nowadays. And, and then I ask later, did you see the lights? Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's for me. How about for you? So for me, it's been a fairly uh, relaxed weekend as well. We also had this 1st of May, which was a day off on Friday. Um, you know, given the circumstances in the world at the moment, we didn't really do anything but stick to ourselves. So one of the things I did... Um, I watched my cryptocurrency analysis and ticker project that I built when I went on paternity leave two and a half years ago. I watched it just surpass 6 billion transactions. This is running in Azure in one of my subscriptions. It's been running for almost three years now. Uh, it's pretty cool to see that I surpass about 2 billion transactions per year and it just keeps on hammering. And this is hosted in Azure Container Instances and uh, Azure Functions and all the data are distributed across uh, a wide range of Azure storage accounts. So it's pretty cool to see the scale of things and how it works. It took some time to build the solution, obviously. So when, when I was in paternity leave, I was uh, for five weeks, 24-7 uh, um, out of work. And because the kid was pretty much just sleeping, 
which was, you know, lucky me, I was hammering on with this project and then I've been tinkering a bit with it as we uh, go over the years. And it's incredible to see the, you know, the performance of whatever you put in Azure just keeps on living if you design it with a, a fairly good design starting from day one. I was I was expecting you to say that 24-7 you were building the solution and no idea about the kid. But <laughs> <laughs> Where did I put the kid again? I don't know. <laughs> I don't exactly. know, but did you see this project? <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. So uh, today's episode is briefly chatting about Azure Front Door. And I think it was the previous episode. We, we have too many of the episodes already. So the previous episode, we talked about Windows Application Firewall and we briefly hinted at Azure Front Door as well. So what is Azure Front Door? So um, like you say, we talked about the web application firewall. So I think this episode is a little bit shorter. Um, and, and Azure Front Door is a, um, an ADN or application delivery network as a service. And that's pretty much a layer seven load balancing. So you get stuff like dynamic site acceleration. Um, and when we say global load balancing, it means this is not something you deploy in a specific region in Azure. This is globally available at the same locations as the Azure CDN. Um, so it's kind of something you can use together with other services. Um, but if, if you're looking for global load balancing, this is where I would go to take a look. Um, a favorite feature um, is the almost real-time failover. So if you have requests failing over for a backend or a service that it's trying to reach, it can quickly fail over to another instance. Um, it also works very well with uh, the uh, Azure Web Application Firewall or the WAF. And this is what we talked about in the previous episode. So we're not really gonna dwell into all the details of how to configure it and you know how you can route all the traffic and protect everything with the WAF because we already talked about that. Um, so I would say the key takeaway on what is Azure Front Door, at least to me and the way I use it, is a layer seven load balancing. It is a global load balancing solution. So if you need um, kind of load balancing at the edge and load balancing at scale, this is where you should start looking. And that's pretty much how, how I use it. it. Takes about five minutes to deploy it. Um, and that's good to know. And something that I wish I would have known um, when I started using Frontdoor is if you use custom TLS or SSL certificates, you make updates or deploy them, it can take up to 30 minutes to deploy them globally because Azure Frontdoor is not in your selected region. This is globally. So if you make any of those changes, that needs to be rolled out across the globe in order for that to take effect. And that can take up to 30 minutes. Um, so I just want to pop that in there as one of the first notes because that's the first thing I would have wished I knew before I actually started making my configurations and then not really understanding why that didn't work uh, straight off that. Alrighty, so it's important to understand here that when you choose to go with Azure Front Door, you do, apparently you do not need to select the region, it's always a global service, right? as opposed to if you go with application gateway, meaning web application firewall or just application gateway without the firewall aspect, that's always a region you select West Europe or something else. Yeah, and this is a question that we get a lot. It's, okay, we need to make a decision here. We need to have load balancing and protection and firewalls and, and you know everything that you can have. And these 
are the types of components involved in our solution. And that's really what decides what route you want to go. Um, both of them, both Application Gateway and Azure Front Door are layer seven load balancers. Uh, with Front Door, you get, like you say, this global service and the gateway is a regional service. So the Application Gateway is something you can deploy in West Europe, in West US, and you know whatever regions you want to deploy it in, whereas the, the Front Door is, is always available globally. Um, so Front Door can load balance between scale units, clusters, stamp units across regions. And the application gateway is what I would say instead, something that load balances between your VMs, containers, and so on within the scale unit. So when you need to scale or load balance between and across, then this is uh, when you use Front Door. An application gateway can help you load balance between uh, things inside a scale unit. Okay, so if I'm deploying, let's take a super simple example. If I'm deploying a custom web application, let's say it's going to be my future website for um, a company of mine, for example, and I'll deploy that in West Europe. So that would be in the Netherlands. Uh, and that's the only instance. I, I'm not planning on having any failbacks in North Europe or in the US, for example. To me, it sounds like I wouldn't really need front door in that sense because there's nothing really to load balance against. It's just one instance that I have running in one region, right? Yeah, and and again, that comes down to if you have more components involved other than the website and, and if you need any type of failover or not. Uh, but it also comes down to ease of configuration and whether you want to have the firewall capabilities with a WAF policy and how you want to configure that. Um, so I'd say the decision is or the, the answer is, it depends, as always, uh, on all the variables. But I actually use Azure Front Door even for instances where I only have one website. Because the ease of use and how I can configure the routing with the front-end pools and back-end pools and things like that is incredible. I, I really like it. So you can also put Azure Front Door in, in front of your Azure storage accounts, for example. If you have blobs which have an endpoint that is uh, publicly accessible by this specific uh, IP address that the storage account gets. You can protect that storage account by hiding it behind Azure Front Door, for example. Uh, so the front door can route traffic to, to that as well. Um, so I, I kind of like using it in this way. Okay. Um, so for me, I've got one storage account currently. That's also in West Europe. And I use that to build this super simple website visitor analytics solution uh, a couple of weeks back. I think I had a coffee call with you before we started recording something and we played with the idea that would it be possible to get rid of Google Analytics altogether in, yep. in, in our, our private personal blogs. And I spent one evening building that. It's super simple in the end, but I, I wanted to see all the, all the different settings I could employ in there. And to me, it now sounds that I could enable Azure Front Door just in case the Azure storage account that I'm using for storing that visitor analytics data and tracking, if that fails, I could have a separate Azure storage account in a different region and Azure FD would then load balance when it would detect that that primary storage account is, is offline or not accessible. Yeah, and I, I think this is a pretty fun use case. And since you already have the solution for the 
uh, Google Analytics replacement in place. Maybe this is something that you can write for your ne next blog post and how to load balance between these two. Ensure that you have an always on type of analytics in case one of them fails. Oh yeah, sounds sounds like something I'll I'll spend. Not tonight though, because tonight I will be reinstalling Windows 10 on my main PC. But perhaps tomorrow evening when I'm done with my with, with my webinars, that's something I will I will be building on. So we already established that Azure Front Door is global. Uh, besides provisioning it globally, does it bring anything else I should know about? So when we say global, the only thing that you might want to understand is that it's following the pop locations or the point of presence, uh, which are the same as the Azure CDN. So wherever you have Azure CDN, those locations are the same where you can deploy front door or where it will be rolled out. Um, so in the show notes, we'll put a, li a link to uh, the Azure front door pop or point of presence, which is then the same as the CDN ones. And I think this is, Interesting to understand, coming back to the point where I said, if you make this update to a, an SSL certificate, you know, it can take 30 minutes to roll out. And if you're kind of demoralized by that, you know, why does it take 30 minutes to roll something out in the cloud? Well, you're not rolling this out to one of your research groups. You're rolling this out across the entire planet. And doing that in 30 minutes, I, you know, I'm pretty happy with that. So understanding the scale helps me in understanding how I design my upgrade scenarios as well. Remember when Cosmos DB was announced? I think that was two years ago in May. Uh, then the kind of t tagline was planet scale. So, <laughs> yep. so now, now we talk about global again, but I think Cosmos DB is still planet scale. Planet scale, yeah. As opposed to interplanet or extraplanet or... Yeah. Exactly. Uh, okay, so now we have Azure Front Door set up, and Azure Front Door sits between the clients globally, uh, any clients accessing any of our services, and whatever we have in the backend. And I would imagine then that you would need to secure access to your backend so that only traffic that comes through Azure Front Door is enabled and allowed for your backend so that nobody can figure out, oh, you're actually calling this API, so let me go there directly. Yeah, and so coming back to your example where you said you have one website and you wanna protect it with front door or maybe you have two or three instances of that website spread out in different regions or you know, whatever the use case is. One thing that I keep seeing um, as a question that comes up in different forums online and, and people reaching out they say, okay, I clicked up Azure Front Door. I say, here's my Front Door endpoint, and I'm connecting my backends, and all of that works. You know, I have my one Front Door URL, tie my custom DNS to it, and everything works. That's awesome. But if I go to my awesome website, .azurewebsites.net, which is the Azure backend URL of that website, they can still access it. Obviously, if you want to protect it, so all traffic goes through Front Door, you have to, of course, lock the door on the back end. Uh, so you can do this uh, by setting up, for example, uh, IP ACLs on the back end. And then you can restrict the traffic on the back end to the value of a specific header for every request coming through Azure Front Door comes with a header called X-Azure-FDID, and that's Front Door ID. Um, and that comes automatically with Azure Front Door. And that means you can allow only front door traffic to the backend and deny everything else. 
So you don't have anyone going to myawesomewebsite.asherwebsites.net. Uh, and I also think this is an interesting thing to, to keep in mind when you design these things. It looks like it's working. You have your awesomedomain.com. You go to it. That hits Azure front door and it load balances to one of your uh, backends. But if you then look in the source code, you might see that, oh, this is actually sending the request on to something.azurewebsites.net. And if you go there directly, that would work. Now, if you do this, you can lock that door and ensure that all traffic has to go through front door. If it does not, it is automatically rejected. All righty. So TLS support, you already mentioned that if you want to have custom certificates, uh, it takes about 30 minutes to, to deploy globally. Anything uh, we need to worry about the TLS versions? Yeah. I mean, a best practice, I would say, is stick always to the latest version of TLS. With Azure Front Door, we have capability of using uh, 1.0, 1.1, and 1.2 as of today. And today is May 2020. Um, 1.3 is currently not supported, as far as I know, and I don't think this has changed recently. Uh, hopefully, they will roll out support for that you know, as it matures as well. Um, but I, I would say stick with the latest supportest one, which is 1.2, if possible. So... To me, there's no reason to go with an earlier version of TLS unless there are requirements on the infrastructure or existing infrastructure or applications that say these already use 1.0 or 1.1 and we cannot change right now. Well, there you go. Then maybe you have to stick with that. Otherwise, use the latest support supported version at all times. All righty. So as a side note, I just ran out of coffee. I mean, I mean my coffee mug is empty now. So uh, let's dig into diagnostics and logging. And the last time I ran out of coffee was yesterday, and I was testing the Twilio WhatsApp API. So Twilio has this uh, uh, beta preview API that allows you to send messages from wherever to WhatsApp. So in effect, you can spam people. And, and Oh, this is awesome. Oh, yeah. Great. I've been expecting this for a couple of years now. And I also ran out of coffee when I was building something around that yesterday. And I didn't bother to read any of the documentation. I just said, give me the API. Let me, let me play around with this. And once I got it up and running, I realized, oh, I cannot really use this. Because in order to use that Twilio WhatsApp API, you have to have a business. You have to have a Facebook business page, a business manager, business ID. You have to get approved, all, the, all, all sorts of things that I didn't bother to read as these are, these are required in order to use the API, but you can use it for testing and that's fine. All right. Now that sounds interesting because I, I can see a lot of use cases with that, but I also understand and I really like to have these requirements. Otherwise, I would expect a couple of WhatsApp messages from you yesterday, like my coffee mug is empty, my coffee mug is empty, my coffee mug is empty. <laughs> exactly, like 27 messages. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm troubleshooting and testing. So on Azure front door diagnostics and logging then, uh, nice segue here, is I would imagine I can use Azure Monitor, obviously, to, to diagnose and, and log things, right? Yeah, so this is you know the same capabilities as uh, most of the services in Azure. You can run three things through Azure Event Hubs, and I think actually we should do an episode only on Azure Event Hubs because they are awesome. Uh, that's a story for another time, uh, so we can dwell into that. You can also use Azure Monitor, and the Azure Monitor logs. Everything goes in there. Um, 
And you know, you can also have logs based on storage accounts and you can then configure retention yourself as a customer because sometimes you have policies in the organization or legal requirements saying we need a retention of all audit logs in this area of our business for yay days or X amount of years or whatever it is. And you can kind of configure that yourself. Um, all the activity logs in Azure show audit logs for front door. So whatever happens, whatever changes, whatever is done inside of Azure front door is also covered in the Azure audit logs or the uh, activity logs as they're called in the Azure portal. Um, and finally, uh, one thing that is interesting to know that I use myself a lot is you can configure alerts on the metrics in the monitoring. So if you use Azure monitor, you can set up alerts on the metrics so you can get emails or whatever type of alert you want when something happens. So when you get a, a log of whatever it is, you can say, take action, send an email, notify Tobias, and then I can go take a look. And this is one thing I need to test because now that I know that Azure front door logs uh, are surfaced in Azure Monitor as well, I should be able to use Azure Sentinel. Uh, we spoke about Azure Sentinel with Martin Hood, I think eight, seven episodes ago. Uh, so I should be able to use Azure Sentinel to also monitor Azure front door logs and perhaps have some sort of intelligence to react to certain uh, certain type of activities that are found in the FD logs. Yeah, so I, I haven't tried doing that directly. I do have, however, the web application firewalls hooked up. Um, so, so since I use front door with WAF, I can also get data this way. But I haven't tried directly with Azure Front Door. Um, but like you say, maybe there's a way to get this ingested easily into Sentinel. Um, I use Sentinel for a lot of things these days. All the data is aggregated into this one area, and I can kind of get the overview and do my, if you call it threat hunting, hunting or just investigation. Mm -hmm. Does data flow look okay? Does it look like we're getting only legitimate requests? Does it look valid? And yeah, it's a great starting point for any of those activities. So while we were preparing this episode, uh, what I typically do when we talk about some specific service like Azure Front Door now, I go and check the pricing. And there's two reasons. One is that I want to see how much I'm actually paying for this. And the other one is that do I understand what the cost structure would be if I ran this for a full month. And when I was going through those, and let's talk about pricing in just a little bit, uh, I found something called the routing rules. So that's probably the last bit we need to talk about. Uh, when you provision Azure FD, you, you uh, secure the backend, and then obviously you need to somehow set rules or routing rules, what goes where, right? Yeah, uh, and there's currently something called rules engine, which is in a preview. And a word of caution, as always, this is, again, May uh, 2020, we're recording this. Um, Rules Engine is currently in preview, which means that Microsoft has no SLA today um, when it's in public uh, preview, but it's covered by this um, secondary type of uh, agreement that they have. So I would urge you to check the show notes and go to that link that we will put there to understand what implications that means if you want to run this in production, which I would not advise uh, given that it's still a preview. But uh, the rule engine um, is how you can customize how HTTP requests are handled at the edge and header-based routing, parameter-based routing, uh, route configuration overrides, and a lot of these things. 
Um, and if you do this from the Azure portal, you go to your Azure front door, and I'm looking at it right now. Um, I go to the rules engine configuration. It's a setting in the left side menu. And you can say, hey, create a new rule or add rule. And then, you, then it's a kind of a if-then scenario. So I can say, if the query string contains hello, then um, action is routing configuration and the route type is forward to this backend or to that backend. Or, so based on either very simple or very complex rules, based on query strings or parameters coming in, uh, you can do all these kinds of different um, actions. So we talked last time about WAF and that you can also control the, the flow a little bit here. Now with Azure Front Door, you can also do um, kind of these um, customizations, if you want to call them that, on how the traffic should flow. And just looking at the different conditions, you can do this based on the post arguments, career string, remote address, request body, request file name, request file extension, header, method, path, protocol, or the request URL. So there's a plethora of things you can configure. And based on any of those things, then you can take action. And the actions is um, you can do something with the request headers or the response headers, or you can override a, a routing configuration. So either you can add some request headers or response headers, or you can even, like I said, then override the entire um, routing configuration and just route it to somewhere else. If it contains these things, I know I need to route it over here. Otherwise, ignore or just pass it on. Okay, so just to be clear on this, uh, if I provision Azure front door, I've got a web app running in, in uh, uh, West Europe, and I want to load balance between West Europe and North Europe, for example, I don't need to use the preview rules engine for that. No, okay. no you don't need to do that. But something I actually haven't tried, but just now I, I came to think of it, is you could add, like if the query string contains force app one or force west europe or something then redirects to backend in west europe so it could be a way for you to test and pass a query string along saying i i this request needs to go to west europe and then you can pass that on as a query string or even in your request headers and then the front door knows that i have a rule looking for this and i will then skip the normal routing and i will instead ensure that this request goes to west europe so if you want to test things Maybe you're globally deployed, you have maybe 10 different app services across the world, and you need to know that we're running in production. Now I want to test and enforce that all requests I make right now goes to West Europe. Then maybe this is a way to, to try that very easily. Okay. Um, back in 2010, um, I was working with a customer with a bunch of on-premises SharePoint servers, and we would run all of those behind an F5 firewall. So the F5 would do the load balancing, and we had a bunch of uh, web front-end servers in SharePoint. And sometimes you were debugging something, but you didn't really know which node I'm actually accessing now. So, so the advanced trick at the time was to add a static text file under the virtual directory in layouts for SharePoint and call that to figure, oh, I'm on node 2. So now I yep. need to know, I need to access that node 2 to fix something. <laughs> You know, this brings up so many memories that I wish I, I didn't have. <laughs> Sorry for mentioning it. <laughs> Fun times, but luckily it's 10 years ago. Yeah, it's, it, you know, maybe you would call them life hacks or whatever, but it's it's more like, we need this to work. Let's do it like this. Yeah. And it did work. It's not the most elegant solution, but 
it works. <laughs> it did. Okay. So last bit on Azure Front Door is pricing. So I went to the pricing page. I'll I'll put the link on the show notes as well. And the pricing structure is threefold. So there's uh, a price on outbound traffic. There's a price for the first five routing rules. And then there's a price for inbound traffic as well. So for outbound, the, the up to 10 terabytes per month, the price is between 0.14 euro to 0.28 euro per gigabyte depending on your zone. So Europe and the US is zone one, for example. And then if you use the, the rules engine for the routing rules, you pay 0.02 euro per unit per hour. And that's obviously you pay for the whole month. Uh, and for inbound, it's 0.009 uh, euro per gigabyte. So there's these three different pricing components. So I did the quick math on this. Uh, I'm, I'm proud that I could use Windows Calculator for this. So for one month, let's imagine you have a backend with a web app, a storage account, and, and something in between, like an API. Uh, so for one full month, and I'm using 744 hours, so 31 days times 24 hours. Occasionally, Microsoft uses 730 hours, so 30 days. Uh, 50 gigs of outbound traffic is about 7.2 euro. Uh, a couple of routing rules adds up quite quickly to 20 euro. And 10 gigabytes of inbound traffic is only 9 cents. So in total, it's about 26, 27 euro. And the bulk of that, that is the routing rules. So if you get rid of the routing rules, you are not using the rules engine preview then you go down to about seven euro per month for 50 gigs of outbound traffic. Yeah. And, and this is, I guess this is covered by the Azure pricing calculators. So you can yeah. go in and blast your, your setup there and get kind of a, uh, an estimate for what it's going to cost you. Yeah. The important thing to realize here is that beyond this, you also need to factor in your egress charges. So all the traffic that goes from your backend to the public internet. So this doesn't include any of those. So you need to factor those in on top of this. Yep. Okay, enough about pricing. Uh, let's move to the last bit of the episode, word of the day, where we learn a little bit of Swedish and Finnish. Let's start with Swedish again. So in Sweden, we have a saying, um, I don't actually know where this is coming from, but this is something again that, you know, the, the generation before me, my parents and their parents, uh, have been using and also uh, people in my own generation use it. Nobody knows where it's coming from. From And I actually asked people recently because I, I wanted to explain it in this episode, but nobody knows where it really comes from. If you Google it, there's a bunch of different stories, but the word is uh, leg egg. And that means lay eggs. And you say this when you say, ah, no way, you know, but instead we say lay eggs. So instead of saying, ah, there's no way, ah, come on, you know how you kind of express these, uh, this sentiment? In Sweden, you don't say no way because, you know, why would you do that? Instead, you say lay eggs. So that's Sweden okay. for you. That's, that, that seems simple. So let me try. Leg egg. Leg egg. There you go. Okay. I've, I've seen uh, what's the difference between leg egg and leg up? Uh, so 
Legeg is more like, no way. Leg of, that is more, more like, oh, shut up. You know, and there's a subtle difference. And yeah. leg, leg of is more stop it, where legeg is more like no way or I don't believe you or oh come on. So there's this subtle uh, difference. I don't know how to put put words on that except of of course the Swedish legeg. Alrighty. So finish. This is something I learned today. Um, I was I was driving home today and I was in the traffic lights and there's this uh, um, this truck passed me uh, on the intersection and, and the truck's coloring and I can, I can only really recognize the main colors like red, blue and green. Uh, so the truck's flatbed was colored in, not in purple, but I think it's lilac. And, and the company's name was, was like a wordplay from that color. So the Finnish word, let me say it first and I'll explain because it has multiple meanings. So the, the name of the company as well as the, as the flatbed that they had is Lilat Lavat. Okay. And the main meaning is that they have truck flatbeds that are painted in lilac. That's, that's the thing. But Lavat is also shoulder blades in Finnish. So you could also say that my shoulder blades for some reason are lilac. And the third meaning is that perhaps somebody has their hand up, like they're kind of waving from you from a distance. And then you could say, Lilac, hand up like I'm waving you with a kind of meaning. So I looked up the company because I've never heard of the company. I'm, I'm not in that business, but I, I like the name, Lilat Lavat. And I looked up the company and their website is the, the traditional industrial um, website, but they had customer testimonials. And there's one happy Finnish customer, and the testimonial says, "Very good." Very. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Very good. <laughs> exactly. So I did learn a new color here, and and I've never heard this phrase "lilat lavat." So perhaps somebody can use this in the future. Lilat lavat. Alrighty. Do you have anything else to add on this episode? No, I'm happy that we were able to cover uh, the web application firewall previously, and now we kind of close the loop with Azure Front Door. And, and tomorrow, I will go and deploy this myself too. All right, sounds good. All right, thanks for listening. Until next time. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.